Smith and Jones back on a Friday edition of the show. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, Smith and Jones, wherever you get your podcast. Rate and review as well. And Jonesy, how about that performance last night by the Toronto Raptors? Yes, yes, I know. 34 wasn't in the lineup. Giannis Antetokounmpo, a late scratch for the Milwaukee Bucks. Apparently some sort of calf issue. I think it's minor. Probably just tweaked something in his uh, monster performance the previous night uh, on Wednesday as the Bucks came in on the back-to-back. And as we talked about in our little Insta-vlog that we post uh, on Twitter and Instagram, so make sure you're following both of us on social media, at Eric double underscore Smith, at double underscore uh, or sorry, at Paul, double underscore Jones, not Eric Jones, Paul Jones, that's your name, right? So you that can follow us on social media. <laughs> and, and then, um, anyways, one of the things we were bringing up is, and I said it to you, oftentimes, whether it's fans, whether it's media, whatever, you kill a team if they lose a game that they're, quote, supposed to win. So you know what? you got to give them credit then if they actually do their job and take care of business. There would have been a ton of people last night, I'm sure, that as disappointed as they were that Giannis wasn't playing, that said, you got uh, a Giannis-less Bucks on the second night of a back-to-back. You're rested. You got Gary Trent back in the lineup. It's time to take care of business. This has got to be a game you get. And even though it got a little tense there in the last 30 to 60 seconds, the Raptors did just that, Jonesy. Took care of business and finally finally got a win on their home floor still just three and eight but maybe this can propel them into a boatload of home games that are coming this month yeah uh they needed that they, they need to get better uh and and uh you know start getting some wins get better at home uh the hallmark of good teams and i think about the raptors during those the championship years they were they were doing stuff like 34 and 7 at home and just it just Scotiabank Arena or, you know, its previous uh, iteration, it was just such a tough place for opposing teams to play. Uh, the crowd got into it. I mean, there was one time, one at one point last night when the Raptors went up 11 and, and Bud felt like his team was on the ropes and called a timeout and like nothing. Like people were still sitting in their seats like, oh, well. And it wasn't until late in the fourth quarter when – uh, Fred hit that shot where he skipped through the lane and and scooped it up and in and then kind of did a helicopter lap where he came out in front of the bench and was running back on defense and Milwaukee called a timeout and he started and the timeout was called and he, he kind of put his arms out, you know, I'll, I'll go back to the, the first time I saw it in Toronto with, you know, like a Dave Winfield wanting noise, like, come on, <laughs> like, hey, man, hey, we're doing yep. some work here. We're putting in work here. You guys, you guys can't see this? And then the crowd started to – it shouldn't be up to Fred to do that. Come on, fans. Don't get fat and sassy now. Don't get, don't get oh, well, this, this team is they, – they need, they need that energy, and they need to feed off it. But it was good. Fred asked for it, and he got it. And, uh, you know, the joint had a little bit of juice last night. But you got to take care of home court. The good teams win at home, and they hang, around, hang out around 500 on the road and pretty soon you've got a really successful season. You know, I, 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 I am in lockstep with you, and I'm, I don't even know if I'm splitting hairs. I agree with you that the crowd needs to self-motivate a little bit more at times, but I can also appreciate, as I'm sure you can, that <sighs> there's a lot of layers to this, Jonesy. There, hasn't been a, there haven't been a lot of reasons to cheer at home this year, 
And then, yes, that brings up the sub-question of, well, are you really a fan? Are you cheering just because your team is winning? Or are you a fan, good, bad, or otherwise, and, and et cetera? I get all that. Then you factor in some people that are there just to be seen. Then you factor in some people that are saying, hey, man, whether I want to cheer or not, the prices are so damn expensive. Don't tell me what I should or shouldn't do. Hey, at least I'm in the building. There's so many subplots and layers to all this. Putting all that aside, I don't care if it takes Fred Van Vliet flapping the arms because you know what? I want to see that. Like maybe it's maybe it's too much like WWE esque, but I like playing up to the crowd. Whether you're eight and three at home or three and eight at home, I don't mind if I see. In fact, I want to see the guy that's going into the huddle with his hand, hand to his ear or flapping the arms in the upward motion, saying "Let's go, let's go." I want that crowd interaction. I want the guy that's pounding his chest and mugging for the crowd and saying "Look at me," because people seem to, for the most part, not everybody. But for the most part, people seem to like that showmanship bravado. And it also, to me, provides that, that interaction, that, that, that sort of like, yes, I am a part of this. I am a piece of that. So if it takes Fred Van Vliet doing that, quite honestly, no disrespect to the fans, I'd rather have Fred doing that than some man or woman in Section 116 standing up going, come on, let's go, or trying to start the lame-ass wave or something. I like when the players do that because it truly does, again, as I say, make me feel like they are involving the fans and acknowledging that, yes, you guys, you people, have an impact. Bring it. Bring it right now. No, I I agree. I agree. Um, I mean, look, I look at it a different way, and we always say this. I I had people at the game last night. I paid for two tickets. It was a premium night, and it was expensive. And the people that were in my seats – I bet uh, you you better get off your backside. You better get off your ass and cheer when this team's making noise, or else you ain't get my tickets again. Like that, uh, and 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 like I'll say this as as a competitor. Hey man, if I'm down fifty, I want to lose by forty six. Right. I, I, I'm I'm never rolling over. Hell no. Hell no. So I don't care that the team hasn't played well. It should be more incentive. The first time they do something jump on it like like a fat kid on a cake like i like, like to me and and that's the competitor in me so you know i i i, I want to see that i i want the crowd to always be providing energy hey man when golden state had those years when they were winning like 20 and 22 games that crowd at, at oracle or roracle as they called it was still unbelievable they were still there and i will say this and i'm not that i'm I don't want to get too far off the beaten path. The Raptor fans have been like that. Like there were years when they were like 22 and 60 and the place was still packed and they, they were cheering when they had a good team on the ropes. That's, that's the kind of, but that's, that's the grittiness of the fans that you look for. That's what makes it tough to play a tough environment to play in when, you know, you're playing golden state and it's a close game and they get a couple steals and they hit a three, and then they hit another three, and then you come down and you throw it away, and they push it up court, and they get a dunk, and all of a sudden it's an 8-0 run before you can bend down and tie your shoes, and the, and a timeout is called, and the foundation shakes for two minutes during the timeout. That, that if you don't have the right temperament to deal with that, it can be unnerving. It, it can, and it, and it gives the, the boost and the confidence to the other team. So, you know, I, I just want to see that, uh, come back more regularly to Scotiabank. That's all. And and you're right, Eric. It's the fact that maybe the team isn't doing that, but you shouldn't always wait for that, man. Hey, man, don't wait for your ship to come in. Swim out to get it. 
And to be clear, Jonesy said ship. Well, that's with a P. That's with a P. Boat. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I everything you say. Again, I'm in lockstep with. I guess I'm. I'm either. I'm either from this school or I just appreciate the school more. I'm not saying more than you. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm from the show me state a little bit, right? I know you just said don't wait for the ship. It's a hell of a lot easier to cheer for a team that's eight and three than three and eight. It's a hell of a lot easier to cheer for a team that's eight and eight. You know, I, I think that it's hard to find that motivation sometimes, even as a rabid fan, if your team is struggling or your team is not winning as much. I mean, listen, it's easy to cheer when your team's, uh, you know, 26 and six at home and you're expecting a win, uh, or when your team's, you know, three, four, 10, 14, 20 games above 500. It's it's yeah. it's it's harder to find that juice. Uh, to always be cheering and to always be finding the positives and to always trying to be rallying on your team when your team's below 500 or when they're struggling at home. But last night's crowd, I, I sent the tweet out at the very end of the game. I said last night's crowd was fired, jacked up, engaged, yes. roaring yes. all night. And they were. They were into it. And it didn't just take that Van Vliet moment, Jonesy, but that was certainly the, the peak of it. I mean, that was – I don't want to say it was championship level, but when – Fred started flapping the arms and getting the crowd into it. To me, that was the loudest I've heard it all year. And I, I have a bit of a unique perspective when compared to you and I because not broadcasting the game last night, I wasn't sitting there with the headset on. I was in the crowd. I was at the back of or towards the back of 116, 117, the auxiliary press section. So I was among the fans last night, and I'm telling you, it got loud at that point. And there were other it was good. moments too, especially down the stretch yeah. too. Like like Achua, who I thought was kind of up and down to say the least – Last night, he certainly had a huge block late in the ball game, and the crowd responding to that. So it was a it was a fun night. It's one, one of those fun nights at the arena, and it, and it gave you that that sense of like, yeah, you know what? Still without OG, still without Birch, but hey, when this team is healthy, I think they can still be pretty good. But when they're yeah. not healthy, I just don't think they have the depth to have enough pieces to ride the storm and to ride that wave. So you know, can they get healthy? Can they get on track? I said to somebody yesterday, Jones. I don't know if you agree with this. I said, I always get leery, and I always get a little bit antsy when you hit five below. Because then five can quickly become seven, eight, boom, and it, it might be over then. So last night they avoided going five below, getting a win that we weren't probably expecting on paper. And then again, the, the Giannis absence helps. Now I look at that and I go, okay, 10 and 13. Washington, they're good, but, you know, is that something you could get? Okay, yeah, now you got a bunch of home games coming up. Like, all right, okay, now I start doing that, you know, putting the games on paper again in pencil, going, okay, win, loss, win, loss. Well, okay, how long is it going to take to maybe get back to 500? Can you get back to 500? How, how good can the record be by the time 2022 rolls around with only three road games this month? I start playing that game immediately, but had they lost and they were five below, I'd be doing the exact opposite. Like, oh, when's the next win coming? How tough is it going to be? Oh, my gosh, how much pressure is there going to be on? On that Oklahoma City game next week. Oh, by the way, we'll talk about that as well. Their game yeah. last night. But you know what I'm saying? Just that yeah, one no, win and, I, I and avoiding you. that five game mark just makes such a difference to me. I hear you. Look, look, there were some huge plays last night too to to get that win. Um, a couple things really impressed me. Uh, late in the fourth quarter, I should probably go back and look at the 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 running play by play. But at one point. Uh, Scotty Barnes had the ball in front of the Raptor bench and he had a smaller defender on him. And I don't know if it was Fred or there was somebody poor spacing, like, you know, about eight, 10 feet from him. And Nick basically, and Scotty was going to pass it. Nick basically said, nah, man, that's you. That's you. Like we do on the blacktop. That's you. And they cleared out and he got, he, he, you know, crab dribbled his way into the middle of the lane 
And he shot this high arcing 10 footer that went down. And I'm going to tell you, it was like somebody dropped it from the sky. The mesh barely moved. And that was a huge play. And then, of course, the offensive rebound at the end. What presence of mind. Like, he didn't try to grab the ball. And I don't know if it came in the wake of the uh, suspect, quote-unquote, uh, rebounding escapade at the other end. <laughs> but he didn't, he didn't, he just, he just put his left hand on it and, and volleyballed it and, and like one handed it out to center. And that was the ball game. And I just thought he made a couple of Fred was great, but I just thought the presence of mind of this young kid making two huge plays, huge plays when it counted uh, is, is something that, you know, Raptors and their fans have, uh, have to look forward to. And, and, don't even get me started on the rookie of the month. Oh, oh! D- don't start me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, no. Okay, you know what? Don't I will start, start you. We'll I will save start the, you. But, oh, but we'll save oh, really? it. We'll save it. We'll save it. Okay. We'll save it. Okay. Because we've got we've got Glenn Consor coming up in a couple of seconds. We'll get him into the mix and and, and talk about Toronto's next game. But I do want to touch on that because I'll tell you what. I had actually I put up a tweet and I deleted the tweet in about thirty seconds because I thought you know what. I don't want to take anything away from Mobley, the youngster, and, and look like sour grapes or whatever else. But I, 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 I sent the t- I probably still have it. I, I think I copy pasted it. I think I still have all of the numbers because I went and crunched it. And I, quite honestly, Jonesy, maybe we are getting into it a little bit right now. Here's well, here's what I'll say. This will be my tease to it. Your voice and your uh, explanation or stance or thought process was what prompted me to delete my tweet. And that is, when it comes to awards, when it comes to a lot of stuff, at the end of the day, is it that winning is the ultimate trump card? And the Cavaliers have a winning record. Mobley's only missed two games, right? Uh, or, hold on a second. I mean, compared to, to Scotty, you know? Yeah, he missed four. I'm, I'm saying, sorry, I shouldn't, yeah. I shouldn't say he only missed, missed two. He missed four, but in terms of games played, Scotty had 20, Mobley had 18. So it, you know, because because remember, Scotty missed a, a a couple as well. So anyway, my point being, did it ultimately just come down to the numbers were neck and neck, and one guy's doing it on a team that has a winning record? Yeah, yeah that's the it, only that's, argument that you can come up with because otherwise yeah. that award was Scotty's. Yeah, yeah, and 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 here's the thing though, and this is the last thing I'll say. We know our our guy Glenn is there, and we want to get to him. There are some awards where winning is detached from the numbers. Okay. Like you can win Damon Stoudemire won rookie of the year and the Raptors won 21 games in their first year. Right. A guy can win most improved player on a team that isn't a playoff team. Yes. The, the winning adds in as a kind of a, you know, a, a double down like here and we won too, but some of these awards, they're not necessarily tied together. So anyway, that's all I'll say. I want to talk about the Wiz because they got a guy that's probably in. They got a guy that's probably in the running for uh, for Coach of the Year in my mind. Anyway, I'll let I'll let you I'll let you bring our guy in. Uh, all right. If you, I mean, if you want me to, I'll, we'll bring him into the mix right now. Uh, analyst for the Washington Wizards and former NCAA head coach as well, Glenn Consor. Glenn, thanks for the time as always. Great to uh, hear from you guys. What are you guys talking about? Like who should win awards and stuff? 
Well, we Scotty Barnes of the yesterday. Month. Yeah, Scotty Barnes. Uh, you know, by by many accounts, but at least in Raptorland, we feel and and many fans feel that he got kind of robbed of the Rookie of the Month in the Eastern Conference. It went to Evan Mobley. Not that Mobley hasn't played well so far this season, Glenn, but seeing a Barnes up close and personal every night and looking at the statistical breakdown of the numbers, Mobley versus Barnes, they're pretty much neck and neck. And and we were just trying to decide, like, was ultimately at the end of the day the biggest factor being that the Cavs have a winning record and the Raptors don't because Barnes – Many people are saying it's going to be Scotty Barnes standing there with the hardware at the end of the year. Granted, we're only a quarter of the way in, but he's having a hell of a season to this point. You know, it's interesting. Those conversations, rookie of the year, you know, best defensive player, all this stuff. I always ask whoever's doing this stuff, who, what is the criteria? Bingo, you know, Glenn. What, what I, you know, every time these things come up, and it's all subjective, I think. But what is the criteria? What makes that person, you know, is Evan Mobley more rewarded than Scotty Barnes is to win Rookie of the Year? Clearly, those two guys are, are favorites right now. But okay, so what's the criteria? What what is it? What are you basing on? Basing it on is it that is it that definite that Scotty Barnes is that mu- is going to win that award? I mean, who knows what these guys look look at? Well, Glenn, you're right. And I, look, I, I just take, you know, something we had recently in the NBA's all-time top 75 list. And maybe, it, look, we're from, I always say this, we're from a different vintage. Uh, but I don't know so how the recency bias works in in picking some guys that are, you know, maybe current or recently retired players and leaving off some of the other guys. I, like, I can't believe a guy like, you know, a guy like Alex English isn't a top 75 player. You know, I th- right. like there are, there are, there are some, and again, I have a different lens. Wait, Howard. I have a different lens. Right. And, and so, uh, right, but, to, back, but if, if back to your point, equal, Glenn, to your but, point, but Glenn, every, give me some criteria yeah. here. Here are yeah. the things like, I, I will say this about baseball. You get like 3000 strikeouts you're probably going to be in the hall of fame. Like, like things like right. that are benchmarks. And, and like, right. it, it seems like, and I underscore seems like at times we don't, uh, we don't, uh, uh, you know, a cure, uh, um, stick to the same benchmarks at times in the NBA. Right. I agree. I, I totally agree. And that's, you know, it's funny that you guys brought this subject up, which I was listening the last like 30 seconds of it, but there was an article in the Washington Post today on Rookie of the Year, um, Sixth Man of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, MVP, if the season ended right now, right? And my whole thing with that, Coach of the Year, um, my whole thing is, what are you basing it on? You know, because they said, for example, they said um, Evan Mobley would win Rookie of the Year. Well, what are you basing that on? They said, Tyler Hero is sixth man of the year. Well, my bias would be Montrezl Harrell because I don't think anyone in the NBA has made the impact that Montrezl Harrell had, has had on a team as he has the Wizards. So is the impact that Tyler Hero have on Miami the same as Montrez's with the Wizards? Absolutely not. Does, is he putting up more numbers? Yes. Points, yes, but not impact. 
And so, you know, it's all, I don't know. It's all, it's, it's, by the way, the post had um, Mobley as rookie of the year. If it oh, ended I, right now. Yeah, I, 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 I just pulled it up right now as you were talking, Glenn. As I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I'm skimming through it quick as you're talking. I, I, Glenn, I'll say this. Glenn, I'll say this. It's the subjectivity has always been there, and I'll go back to the first year that it that it kicked me right in the backside. And, and Glenn, I know you're a New York guy. You're a, you're a Flushing guy, and I'm a Mets. I'm a Mets fan. And all you baseball guys, all you baseball geeks, go look at the numbers. In 1988, Kirk Gibson won the MVP, batting like I don't know what he was, but he was like. 25 and 89 and my guy daryl strawberry was 38 and 103 and he didn't win the mvp better base better like stole more bases like both teams won their division the the mets and the dodgers and i'm like what's up with straw how come how come he didn't win the mvp so there's your subjectivity and criteria glenn and it's like the argument we used to have with the ncaa football well the pollsters made them number one well, who's voting? Who's voting? Right. And what's the criteria? Like, you know, we, we have these things. Eric's kid is in the school system where I used to teach her in Ontario. We have these things called rubrics. Hey, you want to get an A? You got to do this, 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 and this. There's no subjectivity. Well, sir, right. Mr. Conser, I did that. I did that. I did that. I did that. And they were all done well. I deserve an A. Well, what, it, about, what about Hall of Fame? Hall of Fame in any sport. Well, what's the criteria? Mm-hmm. You know, you could mm-hmm. debate it all you want. I mean, there was yeah. a lot of guys that it's taken forever to get into the Hall of Fame. Well, why? What is, you know, there's all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want to okay. talk Glenn, about the Wiz. Listen, <laughs> hold on. Hold on, though, Jonesy. Hold on. Hold on. I could have done this at the end, but seeing as we haven't even got to the Wiz yet, let me stay off topic for one more second. And, Jonesy, you can weigh in, too, because you've coached, at, at, you know, at, at a certain level as well, too. Glenn, I'm asking you as a coach. I'm I'm willing to give you like elementary school. I'm willing to give you even high school, but at the professional level and even the collegiate level, but certainly at the professional level, Glenn, tell me how in the holy hell a team of professionals can lose by 73 points. I know it's got nothing to do with the Raptors or the Wizards, but that Oklahoma City Memphis game last night. I, I, I am baffled. I am baffled as to how a professional team can lose by 73 points. Yeah, you know, blowouts are 20. So what's the nomenclature on 70? You know, I mean, <laughs> I, I, it, it is, right? Blowouts are 20. You lost by 20, right? 25. Oh. That's a blowout. I, I don't know, man. I, I don't have an answer for that. Um, you know, you talk about not coming to play. I mean, they didn't. They didn't get on the bus. Those guys, and I don't know why, and I don't know what happened. But there's got to be. Forget the strategy part of that. But there's got to be a, a mental element of what happened there. And I, I have no idea. I'm not, you know, a part of that team. But um, uh, I mean, that's alarming. <laughs> that's an alarming delta to lose by. It's it's crazy. Now, I I would say this: if they have any professional pride about them, I'd be I'd be leery of OKC the next few games because people are going to be sn- putting their hand over their mouth and snickering at them. And if they have anything in their souls, they're going to come back and 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 play play really really hard. Glenn, yeah, I'm I mean, looking forward to Sunday. Pride. Forget coaching. Yeah. Forget coaching. Forget you know the the roster. 
we get it. You know, there's a there's an element of you know of personal pride. There's an element of you know I, I got to rebound from this, dust yourself off, which is not easy to do because th- there's a humiliating factor there, um, and they got to get past that. I don't know what the whole mental thing going on there is. All right, Jones, you want to switch to the Wizards? I do. Been, I do. Because dying to do so. Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. Because because Glenn, I don't think people have given as we speak of awards. I don't sp- think people have given uh, your guy Tommy Shepard, one of the world's most engaging and amazing people. I don't think they've given him enough credit for that deal and the hiring of Wes Unsell Jr. Because everybody looked early and it's like, oh yeah, it's Washington. They'll they'll come back to the pack. They'll back their way through the field. It doesn't look like it right now. At least not wh- from where I sit. And there's a lot of people that deserve credit. Uh, first of all, the, the the guys on the floor. I think Wes Unsell Jr. is doing a really good job. And Tommy Shepard had the vision to kind of throw put it together, throw it together. Let's try this. I think it might work. Um, you're right. I mean, I, I think it was pure genius um, what he did. Think about it. You know, John Wall, Russell Westbrook, um, and you guys have been around. Um, This is my 15th year calling games for the Wizards. This team has always been somewhat top-heavy. Wall and Beal, Wall and Westbrook, you know, and maybe a couple other guys sprinkled in, and that was it. And if those guys didn't play well, it was a struggle, right? Now it's a completely different um, vibe. It's a completely different dynamic and feel um, because you have multiple players that Tommy put together that have versatile skills that you don't have to rely on. All of a sudden, at the blink of an eye, the whole culture changed because you know it's not just the Bradley Beal show now. And Bradley has had has really done a great job to his credit making that adjustment to playing off these guys and playing with these guys, and having them play off him. And he's made every right read this year so far. He's been criticized. Oh, he's not putting up 30 points a game. He doesn't need to because he's finding guys. When teams load up on him, you know, Bradley's been a pinball for so long, getting banged around, triple team, double team. Um, that's been the strategy of every team that plays the Wizards because we, don't ha- we, didn't, we never had this type of versatility and depth. So what Tommy did was really brilliant. Um, you know, we, we're, we all of a sudden in one year have become an incredibly deep team with versatility that now has multiple options offensively and defensively to compete. And it hasn't been this way for a while. Speaking with Wizards analyst Glenn Concert, Glenn, you mentioned a name earlier in this in this conversation, and it, and it speaks to what we were just talking about as well with Tommy Shepard and the job he's done and the, the way this team is playing. Um, I said it at the time. I don't know that I'm splitting atoms. I'm sure there are a lot of people thinking the same thing. That trade with the Lakers was borderline highway robbery and an outstanding move. And I'm not here to, to, to crap on Russ. He played well last year for Washington. I don't know him to the extent that I'm sure you do. Seems like a decent enough guy and whatever. But the haul that they got back from the Lakers, and I look now in hindsight and go, how the heck did the Lakers not utilize these players a little bit better when they had them? And specifically Montrez Harrell. A guy goes from being a, a six-man with the clips to barely being used by the Lakers, 
a team that I think could have used his talent, his skill set, and he just kind of almost like, all right, that was one year off in a sense, barely being utilized by the Lakers, misused by the Lakers, and he looks like an absolute stud again with what he's doing in Washington. Yeah, you're right. Um, it, it seems like, you know, the, the deal was just tremendous. It was pure genius by Tommy Shepard because not only did he get multiple players, you know, we picked up, Dinwiddie, we picked up Aaron Holiday, and then Trez, obviously, um, Kuz. You know, these guys are, you know, are versatile players with multiple skills. So they're also, think about it this way. You know, we always talk about any team LeBron's on. It skews anything that we think about because he's so great. Right, we always we always talk about that. Those of us who are in this world, oh, LeBron's coming in town. Doesn't matter who he plays with; he could play with me, you know, Paul, Eric, and Glenn, and the, you know, and maybe one more guy, uh, Jack Armstrong, um, and and we're going to win, right? But what it also does is think if those guys were playing with AD and LeBron, so there's no way they're going to be able to utilize all their skills. Right now, it there's positives with that and there's negatives with that and i think what tommy saw in this trade was you know all these guys have something to prove it's not like they have a chip on their shoulder but they're now given the opportunity to do other things that they weren't doing with los angeles because of ad's greatness because of lebron's greatness and if we were coaching we probably would be doing the same thing with them but now they're they have an opportunity just to do so many different things that Many people just didn't really see before. Trez had a game the other night. He was um, 11 of 12 from the field. Ten of them were dunks. Most in franchise wow. history. I mean, he wow. his putback, his ability to these like double two-handed tomahawk putback dunks is how quickly he gets up. I mean, he's he's changed the whole culture of this team. His intensity. So we've become you know, from a, I would say, finesse team to a much more physical team that's not afraid to mix it up. Uh, you know, Glenn, I give Wes Unsell Jr. credit, too. He was a pretty good defensive guy in in Denver, and he's probably seen the blueprint for teams that have A-star and had to have, have pieces around them. When I look at, I mean, granted, Jokic is an MVP, but you got Bradley Beal there, and it's, it, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't it kind of the same formula? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, Jokic is unique. Um, and I think what Wes did with Brad was, you know what, man, we got weapons now. You, you're not going to be, you know, and if you're triple teamed, you, you know, make the right reads. Expend your energy on defense. So Brad has become, you know, a much better defensive player this year because, you know, he's and, – and look, when we need a bucket, we're going to go to him, no question. But, you know, his, his whole, you know, energy reserve is, is, is placed in a different spot now on the defensive end. And I think what Wes has done – and think about this. I, I think we have like, not, we have like nine newcomers this year. Wes is a new coach. That's hard to do. Yes. That, that, you know, to inherit that is really hard to do. And I don't care if you have nine LeBrons. You still got to, 
you still got to build some type of chemistry. Chemistry is the, the is the big mystery in, mix in all this. You know, you guys have seen it. Teams with great talent don't have great chemistry sometimes. Teams that don't have great talent might, and they win. And I think what Wes has done has really been unique. And it shows, you know, he is – I've known Wes since he was playing college basketball at Johns Hopkins um, when he was here in Baltimore. Um, he, he's a meticulous guy. He, 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 he's an incredible coach in the way of preparation. And he, and he – because he's done every job in the NBA, he's got a great feel for this stuff. And he's very calm. You know, he doesn't get crazy. You know, he's not, you know, picking up Thibodeau-like tees every 10 seconds. Um, but, but, and I love Tibbs. I'm, you know, that's just who he is. Everybody's different, right? He's calm, and I think the fact that he, you know, he's made them accountable in a calming, um, professional way that I think is really unique. And, look, with 20, you know, 21 games in, whatever we are, everybody is, you know, teams will gel better as time goes on, especially teams like us who have so many newcomers and the, the rotation players. Um, now there's so many of them that they got to kind of figure it out amongst themselves. But Wes has done a great job in figuring it out early and putting players in positions. And we still, there's still chemistry stuff. You know, one guy cuts left and the guy's passing right. You know, we have that like every team does. But teams that are, have brought everyone back or most of their rotation players back don't have to go through that. They don't have to go through it. And Wes has really been, has, has done a special job in figuring that out. So, Glenn, based on everything you just said, I'm pretty confident. I know what the answer is going to be, but I'm going to ask the question anyways. I don't Can know what sustain- I said, by the way. Yeah, I, I I know what you said. You basically said Washington's a good team. They're deep. They got some issues to work out, but they're still pretty good. And this isn't this isn't a blip. So I'm here to say, is this a blip, Glenn? Will they be able to sustain this? Will they be able to to kind of stay amongst the top three, four in the conference? Or you know, do you see a slide coming at some point? Because from the outside looking in, you know, I think it's fair to say. I, I think I speak on behalf of all three of us. We expected the Nets to be good. We expected the Bucks to be good. We expected the Heat to be good. We weren't sure about the Bulls being this good. We certainly weren't sure about the Wizards being this good. And I just re- reeled off the top five teams in the Eastern Conference. So can Washington stay there, maintain that, or do you see slippage at some point? Well, first of all, you guys know injuries are everything. Sure. You, you know, we, we can't we – can't, you know, figure that one out. No one can. And, and you, But I think we're built now, first time in, I don't know, 15 years I'm doing this, where we could sustain injuries. And I think our chemistry will improve. And don't forget this. We have two starters that haven't played yet. Thomas Bryant and Rui Hachimura have not played yet this year. They're coming back soon. So... Now, that's that's on West to figure out now, you know, how to get them involved in this. But these are two starters. Will they be starters when they come back remains to be seen. But they're two players that can do stuff. You know, Rui has improved, you know, his first two years here. He's improved every year. Um, Thomas Bryant's a motor guy who could extend defenses as a big man and shoot it. 
which we don't have right now. Um, so, and could rebound and is a really good offensive rebounder. So, you know, Wes is going to have to figure out their strengths and how they fit in. But to answer your question, yes, because we got those two guys coming back. Glenn, we appreciate the time, the insight, the analysis, the conversation today. Uh, all the best to you, and uh, we'll look forward to the Raptors and Wizards 6 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. All the best, Glenn. Thanks, Glenn. Good to speak to you guys. Thanks, guys. Always. There is Washington Wizards radio, television analyst, former player, coach, scout, you name it. He's done it all. Glenn Concer. Always love talking to Glenn. It's the Raptors and Wizards coming up at 6 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. You can hear that game right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Myself, Jonesy, we will have the call, have all the action for you. We will step aside for a moment, come back with more Smith and Jones right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Back on Smith & Jones, Paul Jones, Eric Smith with you. Again, find Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, we've got time right now. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, you can hit us up on the text line, 590-590. Uh, if you've got any questions or comments regarding the Toronto Raptors game last night or we haven't had a chance to speak in a couple of days outside of the uh, podcast. Um, so... Uh, if you've got any uh, questions or comments rolling into the weekend as well, we'll try to get to that before the top of the hour. I want to circle back to last night, though, for the Raptors. We just spent, you know, 15 or so minutes, 20 minutes with Glenn Concert from the Wizards chatting about the Raptors' next game against Washington, and that's a big one. Uh, I think the Raptors can can hang with the Wiz Jonesy. I really think they do. I think that, the, that this is going to be a good game coming up on Sunday, and you try to carry momentum from last night's game. And one of the guys that we didn't discuss a whole lot um, and maybe rightfully so. Gary Trent Jr. is back in the lineup. Three of 16 last night. Struggled mightily. Had eight points, eight boards. But again, three of 16, only two of 10 from distance. But I'm wiping the numbers aside. Yep. Having him back out there as a threat on the floor, as a spacer, Jonesy, as another option, to me, that opens up Fred Van Vliet to have the second half that he did. Space for Scotty Barnes, who, by the way, as another quick side note, has turned into a three-point threat the last couple of games. Clearly, he's working on something in practice because he's dropping them down at almost a 50% rate the last couple of games, and he's taken almost as many in the last two games as he did the entire season up until the last couple of games. So that's a positive sign, too. But I love the fact that another weapon there, and I, I, I hazard to guess that I'm safe in saying, there's not going to be as many three of 16 nights as there will be better performance, better percentages, etc., from Gary Trent Jr. Oh, here's the thing: three of sixteen, but uh, man, he took him. <laughs> like it's yeah. not like it's not like he he passed him up and he shot him with conviction. And in true uh, true form, I, I played with some guys who could fill it up, and and they had they had two two mottos. One was uh, make till you miss, and the other one was miss till you make. And Gary Trent Jr. can certainly fit those the, the bill on both of those. And you're right. The fact that he's out there and he's stepping into him with conviction, the other team has to honor that. And I'm sure it, it, it helps out with, with spacing and opportunities and, and, you know, for Fred and Scotty and all the others. Scotty, it's, it's the third 
straight game where he's had three or more threes. And in, in that stretch, I'm just, I'm reading some notes here. He's 10 of 21 shooting almost four, shooting 48% from behind the arc. So if he's had adding that and refining his game and all of a sudden, again, I keep coming back to it. All of the people, wow, you know, he didn't shoot well at Florida state. Hey man, I'll take the kid to the gym and work him out. I'll work on that shot. We'll go Kobe. We'll go game speed. We, I, I, give me, give me forty-five minutes with a kid, an hour with a kid, and I'll work them out at game speed, and 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 make sure those shots are are finely tuned for the game. I'm not talking about going to the gym and standing there with your feet set and taking a year to tee up the shot and knock it down. No, man, we're we're on the two-second rule. I'll give you the ball. By the time it hits your hands, you got two seconds to make a move and get that shot up. Like, you know, the, the games that we used to play as a kid when we were working out, beat the pro. You got to make every make is worth uh, one point and every miss is worth two. And the game is up to five. So you basically have to make like three, four, four shots, you know, five shots before you miss two or three. And if you didn't, you had to run. Like, I, like there's all kinds of stuff like that you can do. To, to tune a guy's shot after you've worked on the technique and the form. And, you know, the more I used to worry about that, I don't anymore. Because a, a golf shot is like – or a, 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 a jump shot is like a golf swing. It's like handwriting. It's yours, and it works for you. And it's, as long as it's, it's, it's functional and there are little things that when it goes sideways, you can look at and change like, hey, man, you're – you know what your your wrist is isn't isn't wrinkled your your hands not under the ball it's more behind it you're pushing it it's flat like if there are certain things you can still look at and fix to make the shot better and 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 consolidate the skills then I'll do that in the gym so everybody that was worried about his shooting when he came out of Florida state no nah. not really something that you worry about Another guy you certainly don't have to worry about is Fred VanVleet, 29 points last night in the victory over the Bucks. The bulk of that coming in the second half of the ball game. Uh, again, Freddie finishing with 29 on 9 of 17 from the floor, 5 of 10 from distance. And as we discussed earlier in the show, uh, one of the key moments last night, not necessarily the stats, the shots, it was the interaction with the crowd and trying to juice up the crowd in that fourth quarter. And he spoke about that, uh, that very moment after last night's game. Hey man, when I'm in between those lines, anything can happen. So uh, yeah, that was just one of those moments. Um, playing so hard, working so hard. Um, obviously, given the circumstances, I think everybody in the building deserved that win, including the players. So um, just wanted to to give us some energy and some momentum going into those last two or three minutes. You know, one of the things that always stands out to me with Freddie Jonesy is, is how honest he is with his answers, no matter what the topic is. I think he's, you know, he's such a um, a spokesman for this team uh, on and off the floor, as I say, in so many different ways, so many different topics. And I, I love what he said a couple of days ago, and I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, this speaks to something you and I have addressed a number of times over the years. We don't believe in the tank. Uh, to me, management may or may not want to quote-unquote lose or at least not try to win. And I'm not saying currently with the Raptors. I'm just talking in general, in pro sports overall. But you cannot convince me that 
you can walk into a locker room and say, hey, you know what, it's, it's okay. You know, If you go tonight, make sure you miss a couple of shots or don't try to score or whatever. And Freddie's saying the other day, it's not like we're trying to go out there to lose. Like We're wearing this right now. We're feeling this right now. We're trying to win every game, and we're trying to figure it out. And that had to have thus felt good last night to be able to figure it out. Yeah, no Giannis, but whatever. You went and figured it out, and you got a win. And I wonder how much that can mentally propel you into the next game, the next stretch, et cetera. Uh, confidence is is fleeting, right? And and once you once you have a hold of your confidence and you believe you can do something, it's hard to stop. It's hard to stop, and that's why this team needs to put a couple of wins under their belt and get get a good feeling back again and l- look at the stuff that they were doing that helped them get the win. So uh, that's a big win last night. I don't care Giannis there or not. You can only play who's in front of you. So uh, you know, take the win. Uh, take your your rest day today. Get your work in tomorrow, and and tie them up tight, and try to get Washington on Sunday, man. Well, I mentioned the second half for Van Vliet last night, where he did the bulk of his damage, and here he was after the ball game discussing that hot streak he found in the third and fourth. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's coming together a little bit, um, and it's different every night, obviously. But uh, I think again that that plays into like the chemistry of the team as well, you know. So for me to be able to kind of facilitate more in the first, and then still be able to have the trust of the team, and and to be able to get my um, offense together in the, in the second half. I think that just shows the chemistry that's building. So there's a dynamic there for sure. I think a lot of our wins look similar and it's something that we'll have to try to, you know, work on and continue to do. But um, one thing about young guys, when you play a, a really good team, they tend to fall in line. And when you play quote unquote, you know, questionable teams is every man for itself sometimes out there. So uh, that's a part of the inexperience and the youth that, that you got to grow with. So um, I never worry about, you know, the flow of the offense when we play, you know, the best of the best, it tends to find me. It's an interesting comment and observation when you play the best of the best. And um, the longer version of the of the, the answer as well was the fact, and, and again, I'm paraphrasing here, but he pretty much acknowledges that it's guys looking out for themselves when you're playing a alleged or quote-unquote weaker opponent or an opponent that maybe on paper doesn't look as good and guys kind of start looking for their own but when it's a better opponent you kind of start playing that team game a little bit more you play that unselfish game and the ball ends up finding its way to the better players and that's to me that's not only a smart observation an accurate observation but it's one that you don't always hear where a guy is admitting that yeah you know what sometimes you not that you play down but you maybe take for granted and you can't afford to do that even if you're an elite team you can maybe get away with it from time to time, but you, you can't afford to do that, um, especially if you're a, a, a sort of middle-of-the-road team. You've got to play Jonesy against every opponent with the same intensity and the same attention to detail. Well, and that's what builds good habits, and, and you know, winning teams have good habits. Uh, they, they, don't, they don't make the mistakes. They, you know, they, their experience kicks in. They know what to do and when to do it. And and they execute it. And that's something that the Raptors are looking to build right now. You know, they they do have the basis and the foundation of a ver- to be a very good team. And it's about putting it together. So, you know, you, you can't have times when it's every man for himself. And that's where, you know, that's where the, the, the lack of discipline. Oh, we're up 15. I'll just let me go one on one here. I haven't shot the ball in a while. Let me take it. No, can't do that. 
because it, it starts to, to creep into the, to the psyche and it, and it leads to bad habits. Didn't even mention Pascal Siakam, who I thought, you know, statistically was, speaking, yeah. at least on the offensive end, I thought he was pretty good last night. And and for whatever reason, I still don't quite understand why he's been such a lightning rod for people. 20 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, a block, 9 of 18 from the floor. I thought he played a solid, solid game last night against the Bucks, And they'll certainly need him on Sunday against the Washington Wizards. That's Toronto's next game. Again, Sunday at 6 o'clock. Jonesy and myself, we will have the call for you between the Wizards and and Raptors. If you like Smith and Jones, folks, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well. Thanks for tuning in to Smith and Jones.